the problem we have is we don't talk to each other anymore. Mm. We don't. If you recall, when we were growing up, we were told never talk politics or religion. When I was a little girl, I remember that's all my grandfather and his buddies ever talked about. Politics and religion. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere Around along the party's the line, table. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and, and somewhere along the line, we were told not, we need to start talking to each other about politics and religion. But we do. And you will find there's a lot of people out there that do think like you. They just think they can't talk about it. So start talking about it. Hello, everyone. Director of Communications, Justin Hall here, welcoming you into another edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. At Palmetto Family Council and here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, we are working to shape the Palmetto State from a biblical worldview. First, we want to thank each of you for continuing to listen and support our work on this podcast. We believe it is vital for every South Carolinian to understand what's going on in our state and in our country and how these issues should be viewed by us as Christian conservatives. Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, and it's important that everyone hears these discussions that we are having, so subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. And a quick note, your input matters, and we need to know what you think as we prepare for the next legislative session that begins in January. We encourage you to take our Fall 21 Palmetto Family Pulse survey by visiting our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Palmetto family. I am joined today by Executive Director at President Dave Wilson and our Director of Outreach, Mitch Prosser, who will introduce our special guest on today's podcast. Justin and Dave, I am so excited about our in-studio guest today. She is a champion for Christian conservatism in South Carolina. Representative Lynn Bennett is in her third term as a representative from the Charleston area, specifically representing those fine constituents from West Ashley and Dorchester. So as we walk through some of the issues issues that we've uh, considered and talked about on our podcast in previous episodes. If you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to hit pause right now. Go back and listen to some of those, including our podcast, our special podcast last week on the Texas abortion law and what the pro-life movement is doing in Texas. Huge stuff there. I want to talk with you a little bit, and we want to talk with you a little bit today on Pemita Family Matters about some of the issues that you're seeing. Because we want the perspective of everyday South Carolinians everywhere they go. And I think you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening down in Charleston. What are some of the specific issues that Charlestonians are concerned about down in your neck of the woods? Well, right now it seems to be mask mandates, vaccine mandates. And I've actually caught heck from my friends that aren't wearing a mask. Why are you wearing a mask? Mm. I said, why are you giving me a hard time? <laughs> I mean, it works both ways. I don't want the mask people to give you a hard time. I don't want you to give the mask people a hard time. Mm-hmm. Just mind your own business and do what you feel safe doing. So this is one of those major differences that exists between a conservative worldview and a liberal worldview, and that is who's responsible for you. And I think so often we see, you know, a a government-driven mandate of you are to be doing these things, which to me really cuts against some core values that we as conservatives believe in. I mean, I think basically all I can do is look out at the public and, and I get phone calls constantly day in and day out from parents and students and teachers. I think the majority of South Carolinians are willing to take that chance, if that's what it is, and do what they need to do to make a decision for themselves. And there is a there is a sector that wants to be in control and tell you how best to live your life. But I think generally South Carolina is going to go for liberty. I love what you said a minute ago about personal freedom 
and Dave, you mentioned it as well, personal freedom in regards to children. And if I can go in this vein for just a second, specifically in our schools, because I think ultimately what a lot of the left is telling us is that they know how to parent our children better than we do. Oh, yes, I think. As you look at our public schools, and and Justin, I, I think that you can maybe talk about this a little bit better than I can. As you look at our public schools, Miss Lim, what are some of the things that you see happening in our schools where the left is telling everyday hardworking Americans, South Carolinians, we know how to parent your children better than you do? Well, I see the parents standing up finally. Yes. And I think that's one of the blessings that came out of COVID, to be honest with you, is that these children were home. Parents finally got to see what they were learning in school, and they weren't happy about it. And that's what's caused them to stand up and rise up. Um, they're your children. You make the as long as you're not abusing them, as long as you're not hurting them, um, you have the right to make the best choice that you know how for your children, based on your religion, based on your values, based on your freedoms in the to live in the greatest country in the world. And um, there is a there is a push inside the administrative function of the school system. But I can certainly tell you that I've heard from lots of teachers who don't agree with that. Um, and, and they feel like they're stuck between a hot, rock and a hard place sometimes. I want to talk about a few, um, a few pieces of legislation that you've actually helped introduce in the last session. Um, over the last several weeks, we've talked about this rise of cultural Marxism and critical race theory in our country and in our state, and specifically the practice of it in our schools. Um, and you helped introduce uh, House Bill 3002, mm-hmm. which focuses on instruction of America's foundational principles in high school, making it a requirement. Um, K through 12. Right. So why is this, why do you believe this bill is so important in this effort to fight against this rise of cultural Marxism? Because, you know, I live in one of the most historical cities in this country, Charleston. And if you remember last year, while all the rest of us were tied down because of a virus, we had people riding in my streets with no masks, tearing down historic monuments. Mm. So what basically happened was a group of business people became concerned about the fact that just listening to these young people downtown taking down these statues, they knew nothing about history. They knew nothing about what this country was founded on. They didn't know what the Magna Carta was, and they've never read the Declaration of Independence. So they just felt like this was a good time to start teaching our children. These are the documents that founded our country, and what did they mean? We are not a perfect people, but we are a people always looking for a more perfect way, which sets us apart from everybody else on the planet, in my opinion. We are always looking to do better. We are fallible. We fall short. We know that, but we pick ourselves back up and we try to do something better. So we just felt that I have, I have children living in Charleston that don't even understand about the war at Sullivan's Island and what happened there, part of the Revolutionary War, and what happened at Fort Moultrie, Fort Moultrie and Sullivan's Island. They have no idea what that's about, and they live there. And that was a major part of our Revolutionary War. And they don't know about it. So we decided that there needed to be some way to make sure they understood the founding documents, who these people were, and what they were trying to do. 
Um, and so this group of people got together and approached me about a bill like this. So it wasn't, I didn't do it on my own. I did it with the help of some very great, great people. Um, and I'm thankful for them who were, who were concerned. Um, we worked on it. We had, we actually had people from all kinds of history, college history um, programs helping us to get this right. Um, the only thing we ran into, we didn't, we didn't get a whole lot of pushback. Um, we asked for a bill that did certain things that just didn't fit South Carolina's crazy school system. We wanted to teach 6th through 12th grade, and they start in the 4th grade. We were talking hours. They do block schedules. So we just had to go back and make what we wanted fit into how our school system in the state works for for the teachers and the, and the administrators. But there was there's no pushback on it. At least not yet. We're just trying to get it straight out so it can fit into the system. And then we hope to get it passed early in January. When you think about the wokeism that is existing right now, you talk about it with, with Charleston County Sheriff's Department. You talk about it with corporations that can turn around and say whether you can or cannot participate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's so much of this change in the way that conservatives are being better lack of a better phrase being attacked on the things that we believe in how do you fight back what how do and is there a group of legislators in south carolina who are standing together to fight back against that yeah they call them the family council family caucus south carolina legislative family caucus um, and those are the kinds of things we talk about all the time when we get together. What can we do as a group of strong, believing Christians to fight these things in our state? And I'm, and I'm proud to be a founding member of that caucus and to be involved in what they do. It's, it's not always easy because, as you know, not everybody um, at the State House thinks like we do, and that's fine. But we have found a way to... to convince people to do the right thing whether you're whether you're a Christian or not um, there's we're given a book which I call a manual that tells us how to go about it all the right way and if we follow that things will work out and that sometimes means pouring your heart out to somebody bringing them in and listening to what they have to say um, and and I think we've done well. Another piece of legislation that you uh, have introduced and uh, you've got a lot of support on is H4392. Mm-hmm. It's the Keep Partisanship Out of Civics Act. And uh, tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. And I hear you have a pretty good uh, personal example from your constituency about this very thing. I do. I do. I had a student... Um, um, this basically will keep teachers from getting involved in bringing the child into politics or getting involved in leading the child into liberal po- or whatever politics. It's not the teacher's job. And, and I may have to change this because I'm finding out it's not just happening in civics. It's happening in math, English, and reading, mm. um, wherever they can squeeze it in. But I did have a student who, first week in school, she sends a 
a snapshot to her parents of a test that she had to take that asked her if she was a liberal or a conservative, um, if she was male, female, LBGTQ, Christian, what, you know, all of these things that I don't think is a teacher's business, whether she was a Republican or a Democrat mm. or an independent or a Green Party. I mean, she had all the parties listed because we let everybody run in South Carolina. And the parent thought that that was out of the ordinary, that that there was none of that that was not what the teacher was there to be teaching. And it's a high school um, in James Island. And um, this child was upset. The parent was extremely upset. Um, and we have launched an investigation as to where this came from. We always try to protect the student and the parents because there is retribution. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times parents and teachers have called me and said if they know it's me or if they know it's my child, they're going to be mm-hmm. in trouble. So we've always tried to do this um, without giving up the identity. But if we have evidence like these questions that someone sent to me, that we can send forward, then we can do an investigation. I can't just keep, this is what I try to tell parents, be persecuted, stand up, it's Mm. time. Um, I can't just keep telling Department of Education that something's happening, but I can't give them something. I can't give them a name. I can't give them a witness. I can't give them Mm. evidence. And at some point, somebody's going to have to stand up and start taking, I guess it's the where does take the heat stand up to it in fact put the heat where it belongs not on you on someone because as you're finding out as one parent finds out all of a sudden they have 10 15 20 parents on their side willing to help them to fight mm-hmm. this against whatever is going on so um we did launch an investigation into that i've had teachers send me stuff that's that that is going on and i don't want to get anyone into teach into trouble mm-hmm. Um, because there are organizations like SC for Ed and SCEA who will go after teachers if they think they're mm. blabbing. And that's a, it's a shame, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, the problem that you run into with that is you lack an ability for people to be able to do that very thing of standing up and saying, I have a problem with something that I see here. If I call that into question, it goes back to what you said earlier. If I call something into question, is that going to affect my livelihood? Mm-hmm. Is that going to affect my ability to get a job, to keep a job, to be able to provide for my family? Should we ever, ever feel under threat like that? We shouldn't. But there are people that do back down and feel intimidated. Um, there are parents that don't want, that feel like their child will be singled out if the teacher knows that it's that parent that reported what's going on with that child. And... And that's a sad situation for our schools. Those teachers work for us. We don't work for those teachers. Our tax dollars pay for those teachers' salaries. We even gave them a raise. So get it right, ladies and gentlemen. We gave you a raise expecting you to teach our children to do some basic things, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Our children can't read to this day. We still have a reading problem in South Carolina mm. schools. They can't learn anything if they can't read. Everything they learn is what's told to them verbally they can't even take a reading skill and go check to make sure what they were just told verbally is true or not they need to read because then they can challenge what's going on then they can look things up they can read the true history right now they're just going on some verbal stuff it's being told them by a select group of people and we just we 
I've been there five years fighting for a reading program. And every year that goes past, another kid graduates from high school that can't read. Hmm. And it's sad. So that's five years of children getting out of school that still can't read. And that, I don't know why that just breaks my heart. I wish it broke a lot more hearts. Wow. That's concerning. That's really concerning. Speaking of things that we're concerned about with our children in mind, on previous podcasts and our task force on foster care and adoption have talked about several times, there is a crisis in South Carolina in regard to our foster care system. As you've heard the stats already, there are over 4,000 children in that system. By the way, there are 800 children ready to be adopted right now. They could be adopted right now. As we talk about that, I know you've put forth a really extraordinary piece of legislation in H3107. It's a human trafficking bill. There are others as well. I I know that uh, we've talked about uh, Senator Katrina Sheely has one S230, and uh, Representative Russell Fry has one as well, H4067. The significance uh, of those two pairings, if you will, between the foster care crisis that we face and human trafficking. At first, it may not seem like the two go together, but they most definitely do. Could you help us out a little bit more in your research, what you've done with human trafficking and how that connects with foster care crisis? Well, when you have young children that um, aren't feeling loved or attention or support or you know, just leadership in their lives from a broken foster care system, they're going to go where they can get it. Mm. And the younger they are, um, it seems that they seem to be able to find this with the horrible animals who run human trafficking things. At least at the start they do. Mm. They think they're cared about. They're given, they take them shopping. They buy them. You know, they feel like they're very, um, of course, later in life it gets a little bad. But at the beginning, and I don't understand. See, this is something where I'm with you. I don't get why there isn't absolute concern. I don't see why people aren't falling on the streets and beating their chests and whining and crying out for these children. Um, Whether they're caught in human trafficking, um, bad foster care, and not just foster care, some of the family court stuff, some of these guardians in family court are just as bad as some of these foster care um, people where they place children and, and move children around. Um, and it's like no one seems to think that this is number one priority. And I think it should be. Hmm. I think... I had lots of hope in our latest director, and I, I'm sure he's probably trying to do the best that he can for, for DSS. It's a, it's a mess. I really think it's something that needs to be thrown out and started all over again. I don't know how we fix the mess that we already have. I don't know how we... Low country um, human trafficking, which I do a lot of work with, um, and they rescue a lot of young women, um, how they get there and how we don't notice it. I think so often what we have found is 
human trafficking is happening right under our noses and we don't know how to recognize it. So often, you know, the laws have been passed because we've got prostitution laws and we've got other laws when the reality is some of these, some of these children are trapped in a system that they think they cannot get out of and they are being used by people to, to make fortune off of their misfortune. And I think that's part of what you're trying to address Mm -hmm. in legislation. How, how do we take that one step further to help people understand what they need to be looking for and how they need to get involved? Well, one of the things we've done in the low country, we, we have that problem is that that our police force didn't even know how to recognize it. They go arrest these young girls. And of course they're not going to um, give up any info. They're not going to tell on anybody They're They're already intimidated as it is. But how can you recognize if this is a woman who really wants this lifestyle or if this is a young girl who's being forced into this lifestyle? And it has gotten better. We have, they have, the Low Country Task Force has trained them to recognize the signs of human trafficking. And um, we're able to get a lot of them out, but it does take years to turn these women around. It, it's a strange situation. Um, and I'd like to see us do more. I mean, the, the, the Attorney General's office has a human trafficking task force mm-hmm. as well. We're going to teach our law enforcement how to recognize it, how to identify it. But I've gone and taken local classes with these, and I've been able to identify it. I know that my friends that have been involved, you're riding down the street and you see something, and you just all of a sudden, you just realize that's not normal. And there's 800 number you can call. You don't have to do anything. You just call the human trafficking hotline. They'll check it out for you. Just tell them where it is, and they'll check it. They'll do all the work to check it out. Um, I was sitting in a restaurant just a few weeks ago, and I saw a young girl, and I know she was being trafficked. I could just Mm -hmm. tell, by the way, Mm -hmm. she was acting, and he was acting. And he was feeding her breakfast, and you could tell she was grateful for that, but you could tell by just the way that she responded to him, something wasn't right there. These were not like friends, mm-hmm. you know, or two people dating each other. So I called that in. If you could call it in, if you could learn to identify the signs, and maybe we need to spend more time teaching that to teachers, teaching that to adults. There, of course, I say that we only have two people on our who can do that in my town right now. So we need more resources for more law enforcement. And you've got a fast-growing area with hundreds growing. of thousands of South Carolinians mm-hmm. living in your area in Charleston. And, and we're a seaport. And right. we're a mm-hmm. seaport. It's, it's terrible where we are. So when you think about what needs to be done, how, how do you help people to understand, not only on this issue, but on issues across the board, how to get involved and why their voices matter in what goes on in South Carolina's politics and South Carolina lawmaking and, and what goes on in our culture of South Carolina. That's a tough one um, because people really think, what difference do I make? Find 10 of you and see what a difference a 10 of you will make. And you can find 10 of you. You can find 10 people just like you. Start a group, start an organization. And so it begs the question, you know, we're with Representative Lynn Bennett. We, it begs the question sometimes, how do we help people to really get engaged? I mean, 
I keep hearing this this running theme and everything that you keep saying is you are not alone. You may think that you're the only person who's thinking this. You're the only person who's feeling this. But the reality is when you put it out there, you're going to find out real quickly. There are other people who are thinking about these issues just like you are. Mm -hmm. And how do you bring those people together to make an impact on your colleagues, Lynn Bennett, when you are in the South Carolina House or you're dealing with members of the other body over in the South Carolina Senate or the governor's office, how do you take people in and help them to understand this is the power that you hold in your hands? It's education. It's all about education. I talk to a lot of groups who want to know how they can get involved and what they can do. That Tonight I'm going to talk to a group about 3002. And the recall bill. Recall bill has gotten a lot of attention lately mm. um, from folks. So I'm going to go talk to them about that um, and tell them what they can do and tell them how they can organize. You have to organize. The problem we have is we don't talk to each other anymore. Mm. We don't. If you recall, when we were growing up, we were told never talk politics and religion. When I was a little girl, I remember that's all my grandfather and his buddies ever talked about, <laughs> politics and religion. Exactly. Somewhere Around along the Hardy's the line, table. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> and, and somewhere along the line, we were told not, we need to start talking to each other about politics and religion. Yeah. We do. And you will find there's a lot of people out there that do think like you. They just think they can't talk about it. So start talking about it. Pick up the phone. Invite your neighbor for a cup of coffee. Mm. When's the last time we did? Invite five of your neighbors for a cup of coffee. You kind of get a feeling how your neighbors are, even though you may not discuss things. So if you know that John across the street is a, um, is pro-life and he's not going to support your your pro-choice bill, you wouldn't, or vice versa, pro-choice. You know, don't invite him to just irritate him. But you do know, talking to your neighbors, kind of where they stand on things. Your family. My gosh, how many family arguments are there at holidays you know where your family stands on stuff talk to those that think like you and get your and, and get their support um at work you you hear people make comments i used to hear when i worked i heard people make comments i knew exactly where they stand just by the comments they would make about something be the first to take the step mm-hmm. i said go get persecuted you'll get through it <laughs> You'll get through it. Just go out and do it. What I hear you saying is, and I think everyone listening right now, what you hear uh, Representative Lynn Bennett saying is that your voice matters. And what we need right now are men and women of courage, conviction, and faith to rise up and be accounted for, to stand firm and boldly on the Word of God. I love what Psalm 11 says, verses 1 and, and through 3 and part of 4. In the Lord I will put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows, they make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly the upright heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what? can the righteous do? I love what verse four says. Miss, Miss Lynn, it says this, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. No matter whether our voices are heard or not, God is on the throne. How incredible it is to know that we have men and women of courage, conviction, and faith, just like you, Representative Lynn Bennett from Charleston, South Carolina, who are already there who are already doing the job and and 
on behalf of these guys and the rest of the South Carolinians that are represented by you and Palmetto family, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for standing on your convictions, on the word of God, and the principles that have been instilled in you. Well, that's very kind of you. I give all the glory to God. Mm. Um, I still believe he's in charge. I believe that everything that's going on today, no matter how bad or how awful it feels, God's controlling it. And it's gonna and it's happening for a reason. And the good news is something good will come out of it. Mm. We can never lose that hope because that's what God's promised us. It may feel awful now, but it's going to be okay. And we're just going to have to stand up, be strong, trust in his name, call out his name, grab his hand, and keep marching forward. Thank you so much for joining us today on Palmetto Family Matters, Miss Lynn. for having me. So after all of this, how can you get involved? First, as we mentioned off the top, subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. We need to equip one another as we face these issues and communicate with those whom we disagree with and agree with. To help equip you, you can visit our podcast page on palmettofamily.org, and there you will find our resources section that includes all the materials we referenced on the show today. Secondly, text guardrails, G-U-A-R-D-R-A-I-L-S, to 76076. When you do that, you'll be connected with Palmetto Family and we can provide you with more information on how to contact your legislators about issues that matter to you. Why guardrails matters is this, folks. You have to understand, we are the cultural guardrails of South Carolina. It is our responsibility, as Lynn Bennett has said today, for us to keep our culture of South Carolina from falling off the cliff. We are each responsible for our section of that guardrail. We are to reflect the light and love of Jesus Christ in our communities, whether it's in Charleston or it's in Greenville or it's in Indian River or in Augusta, North Augusta. It's our responsibility to make sure that we are reflecting the light and love of Jesus and being the guardrails that are protecting our communities, and the culture that we believe in. So do text guardrails to 76076 and get connected in with what we're doing. And then, as we mentioned as well at the top of the show, your input matters. So visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Palmetto Family to take our fall 21 Palmetto Family Pulse Survey. As we prepare for the next legislative session, as Representative Bennett is, of course, we want to know what you think about the issues in South Carolina. There will be a list of about seven of those. Give us your thoughts on what's important to you and what matters to your family right here in South Carolina. For our president, executive director, Dave Wilson, our director of outreach, Mitch Prosser, again, Representative Lynn Bennett, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Justin Hall. We will see you next time on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast.